Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. here today. Um, he is preaching at our sister church, The Way. So man, if you guys can keep him in prayer, you are stuck with me today. Um, if you're good with that, amen. If you're not good with that, it's okay. You don't have to tell me. Um, so it's all good. Man, man, you know, God's placed a special word in my heart and it is amazing because this word was spoken to me about a month ago. And a month ago from, the, from that time in about mid-October, Till now, it's just like confirmation. What the Lord is speaking to me is actually speaking to everybody in here. So, let me start with this. You know what? If you guys could stand with me for a second. Let's get loose in this place today. Let's get loose in here today. I'm going to make four statements, okay? And if we could come into agreement with these four statements in here today. Statement number one, that Lord, no matter the circumstance, we know that you are good. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Statement number two, Lord, the situation around me may not be looking good, but Jesus, you are still king. Yes and amen. Yes and amen. Statement number three, Lord, I may be struggling with certain sin in my life. Maybe there's things I have not yet overcome, but Jesus, you are a chain breaker. Yes and amen. And now let's switch it. My Spanish isn't too good, but I'm going to say it anyway. Cristo que rompe cadena. Hey, yes and amen. Yes and amen. Cristo que rompe cadena. And I want to say those four statements. Why? Because we may all be going through something in this place today, right? And it's important to remember, to remember that, yes, God is good, that Jesus is king, that Jesus break chains, and que Cristo rompe cadena. Amen. You guys may be seated. You may be seated. So if you're taking notes today, the title of this message is going to be called Faith Under Fire. Faith Under Fire. So if I, before I get into this, I want to say something, because Tito opened up service today with something so powerful. If you guys have been part of this house for a while, or even if you are just joining us, you may be noticing that there is something special going on here. There is something different that is going on here, and it is the ushering of the Holy Spirit in this place. <laughs> there is an ushering in this place, and I believe that the ushering is happening because us as a body, we are getting to a place where we are saying yes. We are saying, yes, just as Pastor Rigo has been preaching, we are beginning to exercise what God has given us. And that is something very powerful. And I believe that our spirit in here is being stretched. And in the stretching of that spirit, our yes is coming out. Our yes is coming out. So I want to encourage you guys today, continue to say yes and know that you are able, that you are able. So continue the yes, church. Hallelujah. So today is going, to be, is going to be special. And what is a faith that is under fire? What does that even mean? Well, you're looking at it. Just look at each other. Because everybody in this room at one point or another has been through the fire. Your faith has been tested at one point in your life. And this year alone, I know it has brought severe testing for some of us. Right? Some of us, maybe 2020 has been one of the most trying years that we have ever been through. And I believe that it's taking us to one of two places. It's either taking you to the depths of a valley or it's taking you into greater relationship with the Lord. And I could, hear stand, I could stand here today and testify to you that I've been in both places this year. Earlier this year, I was taken to the depths of that valley. But man, I could testify to you today that God came and God showed up in the middle of my mess and in the middle of my circumstance. And he plucked me out of that storm. So, man, you know, for some of us, our test has been, our faith has been tested beyond measure. We've buckled at times and we've been strong at times. So today is going to be special because I'm going to call up a couple individuals that they're going to testify to you today that no matter what has happened to them in 2020, they have persevered. They have persevered through the ugliness of 2020. They have persevered through difficult times in 2020. So if Adrian and Charlene can start making their way up here, every guys can give them a hand. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And this is something special that we're going to witness because 
we're going to have testimony. We're going to be eyewitnesses to God's goodness in this place. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning, guys. Um, I promised Charlene that I would do the most of the talking today because even though she did graduate communications and, and she's a broadcast uh, media specialist over here, she, um, she has really rubbed off on me in a way, you know, and, and, and what, I, what I really want to what I really want to share with you guys today is how good God is. You know, this year has been a year where I'm pretty sure you guys can agree. We've had to surrender. We've had to surrender certain things. We had to surrender being in lockdown, surrendering certain aspects of our jobs, surrendering certain aspects of certain uh, freedoms that we have. Um, we had to surrender the fact that we have to wear masks now. We have to comply to a lot of things, right, that this world is evolving and going into. So. I just want to talk about how we had to, we own a gym, so we had to close down for three months. And in those three months, we've seen God move in a crazy and miraculous way where it could only be like, like Omar said, we've been taken down to that valley, you know, and he's lifted us up. And through that, it's, it's, it's something where we live in a society where we want everything right now. We want everything right now. Everything is so um, app friendly and you want this, you can get it. Amazon Prime, for example, you can get it in less than, you can get it in less than two hours delivered at your door, whatever it is, if you need toothpaste because you think you have bad breath, you know? So whatever, 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 we, whatever we are accustomed to nowadays has just been a little bit sped up. And what I want you to know is that I'm gonna use this analogy, right? So think about it, you are a sports car, right? You're in a sports car and you're driving in the highway and there's an 18 wheeler in front of you, right? Both of you guys are going to the same destination, but what do we wanna do? We're in that sports car, right? Our lives are there. And what we wanna do is like, bro, this 18 wheeler is going too slow. I wanna go around it and I wanna continue my own way. But Jesus is that 18 wheeler. You guys know this, that with him, you will get to that destination. It is by surrendering the fact that if I go on my own, I am not in control of what's ahead, but because he's protecting us. So in that era, right, in that era that we're in, right, of wanting things right now, we expect the same thing from our God, whose timing and will for us is perfect. We want him to deliver us from our troubles as fast as Uber Eats delivers our chicken tacos. So, but <laughs> it's the truth. But we are fully equipped to strive through our problems, through our weaknesses, because his grace is sufficient. And in our weakness, he makes us strong. So I want, I want to encourage you guys that even though we had to be closed for three months, we've gone through our personal struggles, dealt with anxiety, dealt with stress, dealt with panic attacks, Tell what stuff that she's going to talk about now. I just want you guys to know that through it all, this verse has come to mind, which is Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice in every circumstance in your life. Rejoice because God is the God of peace. He is love and he wants what's best for you in everything. In all things, his will is good. Thank you. How can I go after that? How can I go after that? <laughs> but um, yeah, like just like Philippians um, says, you know, we it doesn't just say rejoice in sometimes, you know, rejoice in everything and every struggle and everything that you go through. Um, and part of that testimony that I can go a little deeper on with uh, with what we went through this year, which a lot of you I'm sure have gone through as well. Um, being closed down for three months is our main source of income and it was just very, very hard for us. Um, and especially for my husband because I know he is like the provider of the home and you know that's something that um, really tested him, really just took him into a deeper level relationship with God. And I, and I know that was allowed for a reason, you know, like God does things and allows things for a reason. 
And that's, I think that was the whole point of what happened to us was like, he was getting deeper in his relationship with the Lord. And that was such a blessing for me to see um, beyond what money and income can, you know, bring to you. So it was definitely a hard time for us, but God really always showed up. And it's weird. Like we were, we were closed for three months, but, at, and, and I have to say that I felt the most peace. I don't know. It's, it's very weird, but I felt the most peace at, at the same time in a moment of uncertainty and not knowing what's happening. And I think that's, that's, that's what he promises us, right? And like when, when you just, like what he said, when you just continue to just uh, get on the path with him, he will show up. And he will, he, he's just so good. He will show up. So um, part of my testimony of what we went through, um, I have, as most of you know, I have uh, an autoimmune disease called alopecia, which basically what it is, very short, quick, it attacks the immune system. So my immune system attacks itself. It's constantly on a fight basis. So it mistakably attacks my hair follicles. So for six years, I kind of like, discarded it like I, I discarded it I, I, I made it seem like if it wasn't like a big deal because it's just hair loss it's not really affecting my health and you know I think that well this year has been the worst flare-up that I've had and um, as you guys know like I feel like like recently here at church we've been talking a lot about healing and not just healing like in diseases healing and mental spiritual all types of healing and this year um, with it being the worst flare-up that I have at the same time God is trying to tell me like you don't know your healing is not about you your healing is for others and I'm done like I'm done being shameful about it because I'm always like oh my hair needs to be down because I don't want people to see my bald spots and blah 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 and like you know what like I'm done as a matter of fact But Amen. I'm going to be done like being, being ashamed of my illness, being ashamed of feeling like, oh, you know, this is nothing, you know, um, you know, it is something and I'm going to wear it and I'm going to wear it like a crown and I'm going to continue to just show others that, you know what, this baldness, all of this is nothing. Like, it's just like, right. It's, it's just nothing. And I'm going to use it. I'm going to use like what Rigo has been preaching. I'm going to use what I got. Because like Tito said this morning, it's my responsibility. You know, it's what, we re what, what Rigo has preached before. Like, I encourage you, don't be ashamed if you're at home and you, you have an illness, regardless if it's physical, mental, or spiritual. Don't hide it. That's what the devil wants. The devil wants you to hide it. He doesn't want you to share your struggles. He doesn't want you to be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. There's so much power in that. There is so much power in being vulnerable. So I encourage you and I leave you with this. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're going through, it's more about others than you. I hope you know that. So just work through that. I love you guys, and I really hope you guys are encouraged by that. Hey, wow. Lou Rock, my brother Lou Rock, to make your way up here. Man, that is so powerful. Thank you, Charlene. You could see, you know, she says something so amazing. A lot of times the struggles that we go through are not even for us. <laughs> but they're for others. And I'm going to get into that because I have that in the word that I have prepared. Um, so, man, let's welcome Lou Rock and, and, and Vanessa up here. These are two people that are very near and dear to me. Um, so, man, amen. amen. What's going on? Awesome job. I'm going to. That was. I don't even know. I love you. Tito, I love you. Omar, I love you. Nest uh, people at home, if I don't know you, I love you too. So I was asked to share, and sometimes I get nervous, sometimes I don't, but I'm like freaking out. All right, no, just kidding. No, this is not going to happen because um, I'm cool like that. And But let me tell you, um, if you want to know who I am, you want to know my testimony or our life and our, our, our struggles, then you got to come to church. Then you got to go to hubs, and you got to participate in men's or in women's, honestly. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I hope that brings a little conviction if you're in your heart. But I'm challenging people because, let me tell you, I've had, I've had many struggles. 
and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about them, but I've had many struggles this year and throughout my life. And what has brought me to my relationship with Christ and going deeper has been being part of the church, being part of the the groups or the men's group or whatever is going on because I end up speaking and talking to certain individuals face to face. Um, I had a great conversation with uh, Sister Liz this morning and I don't think we would have had that conversation normal because I'm a married man and I don't you know I'm not gonna call her and I don't that doesn't happen but the conversation here happens and we were at um, earlier this year we had a um, we had a leaders uh, day or event, I, I, I kind of forget, but we were all broken and I was crying here and she actually saw me and we had this great conversation. She poured into me and she shared to me some testimony that helped me in that process, in that moment. And guess what? I would have probably not experienced that blessing if one, I didn't come or maybe if she didn't come. You know, so I've, I've, I've seen so much transformation because of being here because of the community so if you're out on vacations and you're out and about and you're not coming to church shame on you because we need this I understand that we all have to be sensitive I understand that some family members are older and we're taking care of the old I get that but for some of you again that's respected and and I and trust me but Sometimes we need fire. And the only way to go through the fire is God is going to put you through certain things in your life. And you have to just go through it. And you go through it with people like-minded. People who are also in Christ. People who are also obedient. Because when you feel weak and you're not obedient, guess what? The brother here is going to pick you up. But the only way to do that is to be a part of this community. So we can't live in fear. We cannot live in fear. <laughs> Here is something that upsets me. If you look at the news, right? Try not to look at the news too much, but you know, you, you're aware of things, okay? We're aware of things. There's people out there protest, uh, protesting. There's people out there beating up older. I've seen this. It's ridiculous, right? Do you think they're out there with fear? No. They're not out there with fear. They're out there protesting like they're crazy. So why are we fearful? If we're with God, if God is in our side, if God is in my corner, if God is my coach, if God is my father, and I keep saying amen, amen, every Sunday, bro, what are we actually doing? We can't live in that type of fear. Yeah, where is the faith? Where is your faith? We can't just be here and say amen, and then go, and, and our faith, we leave the faith here. <laughs> Maybe we walk in, we get the faith here, we leave, and we leave it here too. We can't do that. We have to continue to function in faith. We have to continue to be obedient to the word. We have to continue to seek God. We have to continue to seek each other. These people get together, and they go do bad things. <laughs> and they, they don't even know each other. They just meet up, and, and you see it. It's horrible. So why can't we do the same thing here? Why can't we do the same thing in our hubs, in our men's group, in our women's group, in our leadership uh, programs? That's what we need. We need active members. We need pillars of the community. We need pillars of the church. Are you a pillar of your household? Well, it starts there. But are you a pillar here? I, you know, I, I went off, but... That's what the spirit does. And look, let me tell you, um, I had a very rough year. My wife got sick early in the year. We didn't know what was going on. I hear having these asthma attacks lasted 25 minutes. Sometimes I wouldn't hear her, so I would run and think that she would be passed out in the bathroom because she didn't want to be near me when she was going through her attacks. A lot of uncertainty there, you know what I mean? You don't know to go to the doctors or not because one, one doctor tells you one thing and another doctor tells you another. My best friend died. 
And for you that don't know, he was like my brother. Like if my real blood brother died, that man was that to me. I wanted to give up. I lead men's group. I play in worship. I learned to play guitar in less than a year because I'm so passionate. And I'm driven. And I want to persevere. And I don't want to allow any of my circumstances to take over. I don't want to be fearful and angry at life and bitter. And when my best friend died and all these things are happening, I honestly, I didn't want to do any of this. I didn't want to come to church. I didn't even want to lead men's group. I'm like, what am I doing this for? Why am I even here? There's so much many more important things I could be doing, like just, just alone, just me and my wife and my kids. That alone, that's, you know, God comes first in my life, priorities. But me and her and my family, that's right, that's second. Money and friends, everything, that's not, no. Going through a lawsuit, two of them on my job, a guy falls right around the time we were getting COVID. So I have lawyers calling me while I have COVID. I had, by the way, we had COVID. My father had COVID. Or had, sorry, sorry, had, had COVID. That was early in March, late in March, July. I, you know, we cannot let all these things stop us from your call. Whatever your call is, don't let it, don't let it stop. I'm sorry. I could have stopped playing. Tito knows this. I talked, I spoke to Rigo. I'm like, Rigo. Learning to play guitar. I have to play in practice. Preparing a message for men. I have to be con I have to concentrate. I have to read. I have to study. I have to research. Being a father. Being uh, an entrepreneur, a business owner, running uh, a family business, being a husband. I sit down with my son to do homework daily. So I, do you think I have time to fall? I don't. And that's what keeps me going. It keeps me going. And you guys keep me going. And these groups that we get together keeps me going. And I want to. And I set my time. And I separate my time. I prioritize what God wants I don't prioritize what I want. I prioritize what he wants. There's a lot of things I do want to do, and I don't do them. If you look in the Bible, all, all, of, all of these main characters, all of them, that were anointed or chosen by God, went through the fire. Some of these characters in the Bible if things like this would have happened to us today, we wouldn't survive it. We would give up. David concentrated on being a good steward of what God had given him. He wasn't thinking about anything else. He was just attending to his flock. He was being an obedient person. And what did he do? He had to fight lions. He had to fight bears. Would you fight a lion? Would I, oh, you be telling me right now, fight a lion. Be like, uh, yeah, I need another job. <laughs> but like Rigo said last week, he defeated Goliath. Joseph had to go through many. You know the story of Joseph? He got traded by his own family. He was a slave. How many years did that man endure pain and, 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 and deceit, I'm sure that man was heartbroken a lot, but guess what? He saved his family, being right hand of Pharaoh. Look how long his obedience, look how faithful he was to, just to get to that point to save his family. You do not know when you will be called. You do not know if you need to save a friend. So you always have to stay ready. And what does that mean? Stay obedient to the word. Prayer. 
look, the spirit in you, without the spirit, we have nothing. Without the spirit, you get no gifts. You cannot pray without the spirit. And if you don't have the spirit, you ain't praying. And the spirit is the conduit. That's the connection. God uses that. God uses that connection of the spirit. He uses that to come through you and work through you. And that's where the transformation comes. That's where all the gifts come from. We got to take advantage of all that. Look at all this I brought. I haven't read not one thing. <laughs> Who is your source? Who is your source? Is your friend from high school your source? Is the news your source? Is your, what music are you listening to? Is that your source? That's not your source. Those are resources. You got to go to the source. God is your source. God would be the one to direct you. Nobody else. Don't consume yourself with what's out there. Know what's out there, but don't let it consume you. Because when we start functioning in the fear, we've already lost. This is why community is so important, guys. I stress this so much, and that's why I've been blessed to lead men's group. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not a theologist. There's people here that know this better than I do. But you know what? God gave me a responsibility, and I'm going to do it well. And I'm just going to share one thing, and, and I'm done. It's in Hebrews. I wasn't going to share all these things, but God has different. You see what I mean? God has different plans. If, you know, you just got to roll with it, roll with it, roll with it, roll with it, roll with it. Happy Sunday. <laughs> all right. Uh, he, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us think of the ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. As some people do, don't be like those people. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We don't know when his return is. But let's not play the game with him. Let's not do that. He's seen your future. He knows you since you were in his since you were in your mother's womb. He knows you. Let him drive your life. Do you guys understand what submitting to this is? I pray, I always pray that I do the same thing, that I surrender daily. There's always new beginnings and new grace daily. We have a responsibility. What are we doing with what God has given us? As as simple as your job, your marriage, your friendships. Be infectious with love. Be infectious with, 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 with your testimony. The test, your testimony, it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm going to share 10 scriptures. No. Share your story. Share your, 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 your heart, your struggles. Because there's somebody out there that is probably going through the same thing and has no idea that we're, I'm going through this thing, but you see me playing and you see me doing this. He's like, this guy has it all together. He's good. Noah, Noah. This is why we need this, guys. I love you. <laughs> uh, she's a support. This is my support. Um, by the way, my wife brought me to Christ. And, um, well, yeah, but... One of the things was, she's like, oh, um, you want a date? I was like, oh, whatever, you know, we were going through all that. She goes, okay, if you want to uh, go on a date, come, come pick me up or come meet me here. And, uh, you know where to find me. Right, so I went to Barbara Goldman, and I thought we were going to have a field day. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to meet her friends. We're probably going to play at the park or so, at the Goldman. Or I, don't know, I had no idea until somebody greeted me with uh, the, the church pamphlet thing. And they're like, oh, I was like, oh, oh. She got me. Anyways. <laughs> Love you guys. 
love you guys. Thank you very much. And here we go with the with Omar Chap. Amen, man. Thank you guys. You guys are awesome. Give them a round. Yeah, give them. So as you can see, you've seen from two couples. There is no testimony without a test, right? Man, it's powerful. That is powerful, man. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for sharing that. Hallelujah. And of course, there's always an issue with technology and this iPad. All right. Faith under fire. <laughs> what a, man, it's just what a time for me to preach this. And we, it's just witness, we're witness to it of testimony of people that have had their faith under fire. And I know many in here today are going through the greatest trial of your life. And your faith is under fire. Some of you today may be going through a severe marital storm. Your faith is under fire. Some of you may be in a place of a financial burden. Your, place, your faith is under fire. Some of you may be dealing with a sickness. Yourself or your, your family or a loved one. Your faith as a family is under fire. But many times we fail to remember this. That the life of a believer is constant testing, constant refining, constant pruning. We're being molded into the image of Jesus. And there's going to be times of great joy, but there's going to be times of hurt. It's going to be hard. The life of a believer is hard. It's very difficult. And I want us to look through scripture today. And Lurus said it earlier, or it may have been Adrian. We have to realize something, that God has used nobody in the Bible without putting them through the university of adversity. Okay? So let's start with the scripture. James 5.11 says this, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how he is compassionate and merciful. I don't know if many of you have gone through the book of Job. But we're going to go through the first two chapters today. And we're going to see someone who has been put their faith under fire and God's mercies are new every day. So let's dive into Job. If you could turn with me to Job chapter 1 and give me an amen when you were there. Amen. You're going to have to bear with me. We have a lot of scripture to get through today. But it's all for God's glory. Amen. Amen. All right, let's start off with Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all people in the East. So in chapter 1, Job is already being set up, right? It's safe to say that Job appeared to be a healthy man, a blessed man, a wealthy man, maybe somebody of importance. And we see how God viewed Job, right? Blameless, it says in verse 1. And this is a very important word to remember as we're going through the scripture today. Blameless. And what is the definition of blameless? It's innocent of wrongdoing. So important to know. Let's keep that in the back of our minds today. Innocent of wrongdoing. So now we are going to see how Job's life begins to take a turn. That although, yes, we may be innocent, yet we will experience trial. Let's jump to verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. This is weird. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like a thief entering a jewelry store and he runs into the owner. And the owner says, hey, what are you doing here? And I'm, I'm looking for diamonds. Oh, okay. Well, have you seen the biggest diamond? It's up here in this glass case. Here's the key. 
That's kind of what God is doing here. Why is he presenting Job to Satan in this way? Why does God choose Job, his faithful servant? Why is he presenting Job to him in this manner? Why? Why didn't God choose somebody that is wicked to have pain and suffering inflicted upon? Why did God choose Job to go into suffering somebody that is upright and blameless? Kind of seems to me that Job's being set up here, right? In verse number 9, so said and answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and around his household? And all that he has on every side, have you not blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land? But now stretch out your hand and touch everything that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Verse 12 says, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So here we see Job was about to enter the trial of trials. Satan believes that Job is only faithful because of his possessions, because he's a wealthy man, because of his blessings that God has given him. And he thinks, this is crazy how the enemy, in the, in the, uh, how the enemy thinks this, right? He thinks, man, you're faithful now with what you have, but what if things are stripped away from you? Are you going to be faithful? We're, we're going to test you here and we're going to see. We're going to see. So maybe that's some of us. If things are stripped away from us, will we curse the Lord? Job was going to be put through the greatest trial of his life. His faith is under fire. Verse 13, now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided them, they took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While that man was still speaking, somebody else shows up. And this man now says, another also came, and the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While that man is still speaking, someone else came. The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of a sword. I alone have escaped to tell you, while that man is still speaking, somebody else came. <laughs> your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. It fell on the young people and they are dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. Let's look at the response. Verse 20, Job arose, tore his robe and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and he worshipped and said this, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> Everything has been taken away from Job in one afternoon. The most upright man, the most blameless man, the most God-fearing man of the East. Everything has been taken from him. What is going on here? What is going on here? And yet this man still praises God. So let's recap this. His oxen and cattle were taken away. His servants were killed. And his seven sons and three daughters were killed. Job has endured something that I believe most people would not be able to recover from. You know, his possessions are gone, servants killed, and his family's killed. And this is just the beginning. Let's jump to chapter 2. <laughs> Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, where do you come from? And he gives the same response as the first time. I'm going to and fro on this earth. I'm walking up and down on it. Here we go. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on earth, blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still holds fast to his integrity. Although you have incited me against him. In other words, you have came to make accusations of my people. And Job has already proved you wrong the first time. And yet, you want me to destroy him without cause. Satan answered, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh. And he will surely curse you to his face. Behold, he's in your hand, just spare his life. 
So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd, that's a piece of broken clay pot, to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of ashes. So let's take a look for a second here. Everything's been taken away from this man. His children are dead. His possessions are gone. And now he has these painful sores all over his body. So painful that he can't even touch them with his hands. That he has to take a piece of a broken pot to scrape his skin off. Man, we're talking about a serious trial here. This man's faith is under fire. Verse 9 says this. Job's wife shows up. His wife says this to him. Do you still hold fast to your integrity, Job? Do you still have reverence for God, Job? Do you still treasure God, Job? After all that God has done to you, Job? Are you still holding fast to him? Look what the Lord has placed before you, Job. Where is your God in the middle of this circumstance, in the middle of this trial, Job? Where is he? And his wife tells him, curse God and die. And here's the response. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? And all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. This is a great verse. Because we notice something that Job said about his wife. Not that she is like the other women, but that she speaks as the other women. It's like, honey, what are you doing? You know the God that we serve. You're not like them over there. You know who God is. You've seen the faithfulness of the Lord. But yet you're speaking like them because we're facing a tribulation. And now we add sickness to the list. What is going on here? Job has faced a great trial. A great trial, yet his faith has not wavered as of yet. As of yet. What Job has endured... I could tell you right now, I cannot endure. I don't believe that I have the strength to endure that. And these are questions we may have. Why do wicked prosper? Why do God's people suffer? Right? And we see that a lot in our Christian walk. Lord, why do I go through this pain? But yet, my neighbor who, who, who doesn't even, he curses your name, doesn't believe in you. This man prospers. Why? Why is it always me? This could be one idea. And they touched on it during their testimony today. Maybe the pain and suffering is not necessarily for Job, but possibly for those around him. There's greater glory to come. There's greater glory to come. Or maybe we could also say this, that God already knew that Job was going to remain steadfast, that he was going to remain strong, that he was going to conquer, that he was going to remain firm, and that he would pass the test. Or maybe it was to create endurance in Job. And how do you create endurance in somebody, right? I think about like a sprinter, somebody that's sprinting in the Olympics. How, how, do you, how do they get to that point? They have to build up endurance, right? They have to go to practices. They have to eat a certain way. They have to do certain things to create endurance. But I believe it was to bring glory to his name. That's the purpose for it, to bring glory to his name. So now I'm going to summarize the rest of the book for you because... It gets pretty long. There's 34 more chapters. So in chapter 3, verses 24 through 26, it says this. We, start to, we begin to see where Job's heart is going. For my sign comes instead of my bread, and my groanings are poured out like water. For the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. You know, Job starts to get to this place. Where he begins to claim that God is his enemy. That there's no justice in what you're doing here, God. He got to a place where he began to question everything that God was doing to him. He even goes so far as to say, man, I cursed the day that I was born. I cursed that day, Lord. How easy it is for bitterness to creep into our hearts in the time of adversity in our lives. Man, I'm preaching to myself. I've been there. I've been there many times. And this is where Job was going. He just couldn't understand. He couldn't fathom. He couldn't comprehend what God was doing here. And then Job's three friends arrive. Do you guys have those friends that, you know, you share your issues with? And it's like, man, that's really not the advice that I needed. <laughs> I have those friends. 
It's like, wow, man, I was hoping to be encouraged here, but now I'm leaving with my head down, and I'm leaving more broken than what I came to you with. <laughs> Job has three friends that show up. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And these three friends, they're trying to figure out what is happening to him. They're very smart individuals. And they go back and forth to Job trying to see what sins he has committed to deserve this. Now these three friends, they know two things. They know that God is just and they know that God is fair. So somehow, Job, you're doing something to merit this punishment. You see, the overarching belief was that Job was suffering because he had done something wrong. As a result, they repeatedly encouraged Job to admit that he was wrong, that he needed to repent of his sins so that God could bless him again. That sounds very religious to me. But Job defends his innocence, and he begins to plead with God. Job even goes to the extent where he demands God to explain himself. That, Lord, you're not operating in justice here. Why is this happening to me? I've done nothing but serve you. I've, been nothing, I've done nothing but been faithful to you, Lord. So God answers his call. And the Lord shows up in the form of a storm cloud, of a great, powerful storm cloud. And then he takes Job on a virtual tour of the universe. <laughs> and he shows him how great and grand the universe really is. And he asks him, Job, Job, are you even capable of running or understanding the universe even for a day? As the Lord knows the ins and outs of his creation, right? He shows Job that there is no way you could ever understand this. There's no way you could ever comprehend what I'm doing here, Job. And I'm sure Job got to a place where he said, Lord, I, I know th this is majestic and this is amazing and your creation is great. But why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? And this is the best part of the story. That's it. That's God's defense. God never gives Job an explanation for his suffering. He never gives him. He never gives him that. Job never finds out. The, no, the Lord never tells Job why he suffered. But wait, God, this isn't fair. You're putting me through all these things, and yet you don't provide me a reason? What have I done? Job never knows the conversation that God had between God and Satan. He never knows why the suffering was allowed. And he never knows why God chose him to endure this suffering. But in his suffering, it has taken him to a place of humility. He never learns why. But in the middle of the suffering, Job comes to this conclusion. That he is able to live in peace and in fear of the Lord. Knowing that no matter the circumstance, God is good. He says this in, verse, in chapter 19. For I know that my Redeemer lives... And he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God. So Job got to that place that no matter what happens, good or bad, he can trust the Lord. The trials that Job endured were not related to his behavior. God used sufferings as a test and as a part of his sovereign plan over Job's life. And we know that many times we're going to ask God why. And we're not always going to get the answer. But we do know that one thing is certain, that one thing is for sure, that his mercies are new every day. <laughs> that his thoughts are not our thoughts. That his plans are not our plans. And that his will is not our will. He is sovereign over all. You guys don't have to raise your hand here. But how many of us during a time of chaos can say that we have dropped to our knees and praise God the way that Job has praised God? Think about that. I'm preaching to myself. I've never dropped to my knees. When I get really bad news, I've never gone to the ground and say, Lord, thank you. I don't know what you're going to do here, but thanks for this. Maybe I said, I need to reevaluate the heart, right? Or maybe do we sound more like this? Lord, why me? Why have I lost my job? Lord, why am I sick? Why has my child died? Why is my marriage in shambles? 
Why can't I find a spouse? Why can't I get along with that coworker? Why am I bitter? Why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? Why? 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 I have followed you for 20 years, Lord. Why have you allowed this to happen to me? I have obeyed your word. I have done everything that you have asked. I have been faithful. I have done everything for you, Lord. What have I done to deserve this? It's not fair. It's not just. It's not right. Lord, why the suffering? Does this sound like some of us? Is your faith under fire in here today? Faith under fire. Are you feeling a little bit like Job? Maybe you haven't endured what Job has endured, but we've all been through a test and we have all endured something in this walk. Amen? <laughs> and we know that at times with a trial, it will bring questions. And questions are okay. All right, let's, let's go through this. Questions are fine. Okay? But maybe we're asking the wrong question. Right? Maybe for some of us, the question that needs to be asked needs to be turned from a bitter question to a sweet question. Instead of why, maybe it needs to be how. Lord, how are you going to use this pain for your glory? <laughs> Lord, how are you going to use this trial to advance your kingdom? Lord, how is this hardship going to encourage others? We need to start asking the right questions. We need to start asking the right questions. We know that the life of a believer is hard. And we know what this entails. Let's just look at some of the disciples. I only have four of them listed here. Peter, crucified upside down. John, exiled to an island. James, killed by a sword. Thomas, stabbed with a spear. Does that not sound like a life of trial? Does that not sound like somebody that had surrendered fully to a cause and it led them to their death? And to their death, Peter was singing hymns, going to the cross. And he says, Lord, he says, I'm not worthy to be crucified the way that Christ was crucified. I'm going to be crucified upside down. That is a life of trial. That is a life of endurance. That is a life of endurance. We will have trouble. John 16, says this, that in these things you will have trouble. That in me you will have peace. In the world you will. Jesus is saying you will. He's declaring this, that this is going to happen. You will have tribulation. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Amen? We will experience pain. We will experience hardship. We will experience loss. We're going to experience sickness. But run to the one who saves. Go to the one who brings peace. How easy it is that we get distracted. right? We get so distracted when something is thrown our way. Man, we cannot take our eyes off the cross. Don't take your eyes off the cross of Christ. Worship team, you guys can start coming up. Through a trial, we have two options. Option number one is to retreat. And what is a retreat? It's a place of isolation. And I have been there. I've been to that place where I want nothing to do with anyone. It's kind of like the testimony that Lou was sharing. Man, you start going through these things in life and, man, you just want to be by yourself. And isolation comes. Bitterness. Anger comes. Distance. Defeat. I just want to throw in the white flag. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to surrender. I don't want to die to myself daily. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. Lord, I'm focused on all the problems. You haven't answered my prayer. I'm still going through this storm. How come I haven't been delivered? What is it that I'm not doing, God? Tell me, am I not fasting enough? Am I not going to church enough? Am I not tithing enough? Am I not evangelizing enough? Lord, tell me what it is that I'm doing. So I could fix it. You haven't delivered me. But we forget, to, we forget this one thing. That God's delay is not God's denial. God's delay is not his denial. And it's okay to be at this place for a second. Maybe to regroup, right? To, to get our thoughts in order. But it's not okay to stay there. What are you going to do to take yourself out of that? With me, this is what happened. I had to get back to something very simple, something very basic, and it is the who and the why. Who am I doing this for and why am I doing this? Lord, you are the who. I am here to serve you, Father God. 
Why am I doing this? Because I have been set apart because I know that I am not from this earth. I am set apart for another kingdom. And there is purpose that you have for my life on this earth. And I understand that things are going to be hard. I understand that trials are going to come my way. But Lord, I know one thing is certain that my Redeemer lives. And through you, Christ Jesus, I can overcome. Everything seems great when we're doing good, right? But when the bad comes, sometimes we change. We begin to speak things that we usually don't speak. We begin to do things that we usually don't do. We begin to carry ourselves in a different manner. All sorts of things begin to rise up under our retreats. Things that we didn't even know we're capable of. The next option we have is option number two. And that is to confront. And what is confront? It's a place of surrenderance. A place of trust and a place of faith. A place of saying, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here. But I have no other place to go. You are my rock. You are my deliverer. I am putting full trust in you, Lord, that no matter the outcome, I can declare one thing, that you are good. Can you trust God in your pain today? Is your faith under fire? We spoke on this earlier. Many times the pain we endure is not even for us. But it's for those around us. As a life of believers under constant watch by the world to see how you're going to confront, to see how you're going to respond. If you are in here today and you are claiming to be a Christian, your life is under a microscope. Your life is under a microscope. People are looking at you and they're seeing, man, there's something different about Lou. There's something different about Adrian and Charlene. There's something different about Vanessa. There's something different about you. How is it that you have endured what you have endured? But yet you're still full of peace. And yet you're still full of joy. How is that possible? Because we have a spirit inside us that is different. We have a spirit inside us that is light. That casts light upon darkness. That no matter the calamity that we're in. No matter the trial that we face. Man, that spirit is greater. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. <laughs> Come on. Come on. So what's your response going to be? We could take heart in this. Paul writes in Romans 5. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that the suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Endurance character and hope think about this the resistance of water is necessary for a ship to float the resistance of air is necessary for a plane to fly the resistance of gravity is necessary for one to walk there will be resistance in your life but you will persevere not because you are strong and not because you have it all figured out but because of the one who lives inside of you that's how we persevere. We persevere by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, not on an own accord, not because, man, I am Superman and I am taking on this world. I got this figured out. God, I don't need you. I'm the God of my own life. You don't persevere that way. You persevere from the one who was crucified, who was buried, and who resurrected, the one who conquered death. Come on. Nobody in this place today is a quitter. And I know this because you're still sitting here. You're fighting. You're fighting in Jesus' name. And hope is still alive in you. Our faith must stay strong. Just as, just as Jesus had called Peter out into the water. I love that story. You guys know that story. Jesus calls Peter out into the water. They're on a boat. And Jesus wasn't there. And I can imagine the disciples talking. Man, hey, did Jesus say how he was going to come? No, why? He's coming. <laughs> he's walking on water. He's, he's headed this way. And he says, Peter, come out. Come into the water. And he jumps over that boat with such confidence. Right? He takes his first steps. Not taking his eyes off the Lord. But then he sees the storm around him. 
He sees the winds. He sees the waves. And what happens? His faith wavers. And what does Jesus tell him? What does he say? And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind had ceased. So you see, even when you are drowning, the Lord is there. Even in the middle of the storm, God is there. You may be at your wit's end, but Jesus is there reaching out his hand. Come take me. Take this hand. Take this hand. Jesus says that my burden is easy and my yoke is light. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. James chapter 1 says this. Count it all joy, my brothers, that when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Another translation says, for the word steadfastness is patience. So let's be a people who are patient. Let's be a people who are steadfast, who are firm, who are unwavering, and who persevere. Amen? And there's the storm. Come on. There's the storm. Come on, man. Who's persevering today through the storm? You guys can stand with me. Ah, oh, beautiful. Man, so in the middle of your questions, in the middle of the whys, man, God is, God is good. And God whispers, my child, I am here. Am I not your fortress? Am I not your refuge? Am I not the calm in the midst of the storm? Do I not hold every circumstance in the palm of my hands? Am I not the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end? Do you not know that I will finish a good work in you? That when you go through the fire, you are not alone. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I do not just send somebody. I show up myself. A mighty deliverer. Who or what are we focusing our eyes on? On our problem or our solution that is found in Christ Jesus. Ships do not sink because water around them. Ships sink because of the water that gets in them. Don't let what's happening to you today infiltrate you, get inside of you, weigh you down. Cast your burdens upon him. We're not always going to get an explanation for our pain and suffering. But in this walk, we must lean on the Lord's understanding and believe that no matter what happens, he is good and he is sovereign over every circumstance. God has used the suffering of his people for the advancement of the gospel. How does the gospel advance if one only prospers? Those who have gone through the fire can testify of God's goodness. His majesty is shown through suffering at times. And our test turns into the testimony. And with that, we go out into a hurting world and we proclaim, yes, I see your hurt. I've been there myself. I've experienced what you have gone through. I've seen the ugly side of things. But let me tell you how I persevered through a savior, through a redeemer, through my high tower, through my fortress, through the name above every name of the name of Jesus Christ. The gospel proclaimed through our suffering. He never promised us smooth sailing, but he did promise us a safe landing. So church, I ask you today, what are you angry with? What has made you bitter today? What has caused unforgiveness in your heart? What has caused you to stop worshiping? Caused you to stop praying? Caused you to stop seeking? What has turned you from sweet to bitter? What has your faith under fire today? We know what the enemy has meant for evil. God has turned it for our good. As Paul writes, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. In other words, I know that I will suffer. Yes, my faith will be under fire. But no matter the affliction, no matter the trial, and no matter the circumstance, I know that I can persevere because my Redeemer lives, because hope is alive. Let's make hope alive again. Let's make hope alive again. Suffering is going to come, hurt's going to come, trial's going to come, affliction's going to come. We are going to face these things in our walk. 
But man, I'm here to tell you something. You have just witnessed today testimony from two people. Eyewitnesses to that testimony. Know that you are not alone. Know that you are not the only one that suffers. You're not the only one that goes through things. And you are not the only one that God can save. God is in the midst. He is in the middle of every tear that you have shed. He's in the middle of your pain. He's in the middle of those 3 a.m.s when you're awake, when you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. When you have no idea how you're going to pay your mortgage. When you have no idea how you're going to feed your kids. When you have no idea what tomorrow holds, God is in the middle of it. So, Kurt Church, I want you to be encouraged today. Man, hope is alive. Hope is alive and hope has a name. The name above every name. Jesus Christ. Man, hallelujah. Man, let's stretch out our arms today. Father God, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you because we know that above all, Lord, you reign over every circumstance. Just as Job, Lord, went through a fire, as everything was stripped away from him, Lord, his children were, were killed. He lost all of his possessions, Father God. Maybe that's some of us in here today not experiencing exactly what Job experienced. But we have things in our lives, Lord, that have been taken from us. Difficulties that we are experiencing, oh Lord. But in the middle of that, you are whispering to our hearts. In the middle of that, Lord, you are saying that you are near, that you are here, that you have not forsaken us. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, and we, we hang on to these promises, Lord. We hang on that you will finish a good and mighty work in us. And we thank you for that provision, Father God. We thank you, Lord. We, we pray, Lord, that you continue to strengthen us in the middle of these calamities, Lord. In the middle of the trial, Father God, Lord, that our strength is like never before. We give you all of the praise, Lord. Today, now, and forever. And we proclaim as a body, yes and amen. Amen, man. Amen, man. Man, I love you guys. We have an amazing, a blessed Sunday. And seek his face throughout this week, right? The body of Christ is not called just to do service on a Sunday and then forget about it Monday through Saturday. Man, be in His Word, be in His presence. We encourage you guys to join one of the hubs. We encourage the men in here to come to men's gathering. Man, make hope alive. Keep hope alive in you. Continue to be that light in the midst of this darkness. Amen? Hallelujah.